Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Assalamu alaykum ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the ninth word. The ninth word is about the wisdom in the allocation of the times of the five daily prayers. This treatise is composed of five subtle points. We read the first four subtle points. We read about half of the fifth subtle point and inshallah today we will continue with that just as a brief reminder in the first subtle point we talked about the meaning of prayer salah or namaz we said that in the prayer are packed three very important meanings truths that we need to think about and we need to internalize and make a part of our existence and those three meanings are packed in three phrases that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us and they are subhanallah alhamdulillah and allahu akbar glory be to god praise and gratitude be to god and god is the greatest the Prophet ﷺ learned these from Jibreel and Gabriel ﷺ and taught us. And because they are so essential, so important, we continually repeat them in the prayer too. Then in the second subtle point, we talked about the meaning of worship. We learned how the slave of God, a human being, recognizes his deficiencies, impotence, neediness, weakness, and in that state stands before his Lord and declares the dignity and purity of God's Lordship, Rububiyya, his perfection and power and his boundless, boundless mercy as manifest in his innumerable blessings. We said that this is the essence, the meaning of worship. And then in the third subtle point, Ustad Nursi introduced a very useful practical cognitive tool for us a metaphor a representation for us that's going to help us understand the wisdom behind the allocation of these times for the five daily prayers he said that the way a human being is a small compacted cosmos model of the cosmos or the way the first chapter of the quran the Honorable Fatiha is a representation, a similitude of the Quran in its entirety. Prayer is like an index that contains the meanings of all of the worships, all of the forms of worship that are presented to God by all creatures, including human beings. And then in the fourth subtle point, Ustad Nursi introduced another tool, another metaphor. And there we talked about how the entire creation is interconnected and how the various time spans 
that apply to the creation are also related to one another. A day, a 24-hour span of time is related to a year that is related to the lifespan of a human being, that is related to the lifespan of humanity, and that is related to the creation in its entirety. And the cognitive tool he gave to us for us to be able to understand this better was the example of a clock that, sh that shows not only the day, but also the week and days and then the day and the hour and the minute and the, and the uh, second. Clocks have arms and these arms are connected to one another through a mechanism, through cogwheels and other little tools. And because they are connected, we know that if one moves, the others are also moving. And if one finishes a cycle, the others will also finish their cycles. From this, we moved on to think about how the times that are allocated to each of the prayers in a day may be related to happenings and transformations that are in larger spans of time. For the morning prayer, for instance, we said that it reminds us of the early spring when life is sprouting on earth the way in the morning as sunlight starts to fill the atmosphere those things that were buried in darkness start to come into existence start to appear as if they are gaining life once again we said that this also reminds us of the beginning of life for a human being on this earth the time that he is put in the womb of his mother or we said this reminds us of the creation of adam and the beginning of humanity or we said this reminds us of the first day of the six days in which God created heavens and the earth. And of course, here we do not mean six 24 hours, six stages, six time periods. And a day may have different meanings in God's sight. And then we talked about the Zuhr noon prayer, the Asr afternoon prayer, the Maghrib evening prayer, the Aisha night prayer and then tahajjud the prayer that the prophet sallallahu was ordered to pray in the middle of the night after sleeping every time and getting up and which is a very important sunnah for us too inshallah those who have not listened to the first three episodes of the ninth word should go ahead and listen to those before continuing with this episode uh, because it would take too much time to summarize the meanings of all of the all of those allocated times for prayer in the fifth subtle point we moved on to a discussion of the inward meanings of these allocated times what do they inspire in the heart in the intellect uh, in the nafs of a human being what does it mean that early in the morning we get up and we see those things that were buried in darkness appearing again what does this remind us of? What does this inspire for us? And we talked about how mercy is the characterizing drive behind all those happenings, behind all those great, great transformations that, that we related the early dawn in the larger time spans. Life is sprouting, human is in the you know, womb of his, his mother or her mother coming into existence, the beginning of humanity, the beginning of creation, how everything is interconnected and how everything rushes to assist one another in this universe, in an ecosystem, and how that is a sign of a manifestation of God's mercy and so on and so forth. So we then are inspired with yearning for that mercy 
we stand before God and we express our gratitude and thankfulness and we praise him and then we also seek his assistance for the day to come that's going to put all those burdens on our shoulders so if one were to stand before his lord with these in mind with these in heart with this sense of gratitude and thankfulness and neediness and and beseeching god of course that would that would help us attain presence before our lord as we pray and also that would help us not not to be selfish not to think of ourselves only in our prayer but remember that as human beings we have a special position in a special status in the creation we worship god for ourselves but we also present the worship of all the creation to god because because through our neediness through our imagination through our intellect through our heart we are connected to the entire creation and when the prophet ascended to god's presence in miraj the, the night of ascension he presented the worship and salutations and greetings of everything in the creation and that is to come inshallah in the continuation of the fifth subtle point because we were able to do the morning prayer the noon prayer and the afternoon prayer inshallah today we will continue with the evening maghrib prayer Ustad Nursi's description of the Maghrib prayer is, in my opinion, one of the most moving, most compact uh, sections of his writings. And it is a huge sentence, one sentence that is probably larger than what we would normally think of two paragraphs. Inshallah, I will first read through the entire sentence or entire paragraph in Turkish, Bear with me, try to open your hearts, listen to it with your hearts, uh, even if you do not understand it with your intellect. And then we will try to translate and understand it sentence by sentence or section by section. Okay, Bismillah. Dokuzuncu söz, beşinci nükte, the ninth word, the fifth subtle point, we are continuing from the time of Maghrib, sunset, inshallah. Maghrib vaktindeki o zaman hem kışın başlamasından, yaz ve güz aleminin, nazenin ve güzel mahlukatının ve dahi hazinanesi içinde grup etmesinin zamanını andırır. Hem insanın vefatıyla bütün sevdiklerinden bir firak-ı elimane içinde ayrılıp kabre girmek zamanını hatırlatır. Hem dünyanın zelzeleyi zekerat içinde vefatıyla bütün zekenesi başka alemlere göçmesi ve bu dar imtihan lambasının söndürülmesi zamanını andırır, hatırlatır. Ve zevalde grub eden mahbublara perestiş edenleri şiddetle ikaz eder bir zamandır. İşte akşam namazı için böyle bir vakitte fıtraten bir cemali bakiye ayne-i müştak olan ruhu beşer, şu azim işleri yapan ve bu cesim alemleri çeviren, tebdil eden, kadimi lem yezel ve bakiyi la yezalin arş azametine yüzünü çevirip, bu fanilerin üstünde Allahu Ekber deyip onlardan ellerini çekip, hizmet-i Mevla için el bağlayıp, daimi bakinin huzurunda kıyam edip, elhamdülillah demekle kusursuz kemaline 
misilsiz cemaline, nihayetsiz rahmetine karşı hamdü sena edip, iyyâke, iyyâke ne'abudu ve iyyâke nesta'in demekle, muinsiz rububiyetine, şeriksiz uluhiyetine, vezirsiz saltanatına karşı arz-ı budiyet ve istiane etmek, hem nihayetsiz kibriyasına, hadsiz kudretine ve acizsiz izzetine karşı rükûa gidip, bütün kainatla beraber zaaf-ı aczini, fakr-ı zilletini izhar etmekle, Subhane Rabbiyel Azim deyip, Rabbi Azimini tesbih edip, hem zevasiz cemali zatına, tegayyürsüz sıfat-ı kutsiyesine, tebeddülsüz kemali sermediyetine karşı secde edip, hayret ve mahmiyet içinde terk-i masiva ile muhabbet ve ubudiyetini ilan edip, hem bütün fanilere bedel bir cemili baki, bir rahimi sermedi bulup, Subhane, Subhane Rabbiyel Ala demekle zevalden münezzeh, kusurdan müberra, Rabbi Alasını takdis etmek, sonra teşehhüd edip oturup bütün mahlukatın tahiyyat mübarekelerini ve salavat-ı tayyibelerini kendi hesabına o cemil-i lemyezel ve celil-i layezale hediye edip ve Resul-i Ekrem'ine selam etmekle biatını tecdid ve evamirine itaatını izhar edip ve imanını tecdid ile tenvir etmek için şu kasr-ı kainatın intizam-ı hakimanesini müşahede edip Sani-i Zülcelal'in vahdaniyetine şehadet etmek hem saltanat-ı rububiyetin dellalı ve mübelli marziyatı ve kitab-ı kainatın tercüman-ı ayatı olan Muhammed-i Arabi aleyhissalatu vesselamın risaletine şehadet etmek demek olan mağrib namazını kılmak ne kadar latif, nazif bir vazife, ne kadar aziz, leziz bir hizmet, ne kadar hoş ve güzel bir ubudiyet, ne kadar ciddi bir hakikat ve bu fani misafirhanede bakiyane bir sohbet ve daima ne bir saadet olduğunu anlamayan adam nasıl adam olabilir? I wish everybody could read this in Turkish and understand, but in the absence of the possibility of that, we will try to translate, we will try to work through it. So Üstad Nursi is going to give us a description of the Maghrib prayer. He is going to tell us what Maghrib prayer stands for, what its meaning is. And I suppose uh, those who are listening to this podcast, at least most of them, know how to pray. We know the obligatory aspects of prayer, the faraid. We know the sunnas of prayer. We do it depending on our madhab. We know that there is the Qiyam, the standing, we know that there is a in the prayer, we know that there is prostration, we know that sajda, and we know that there is a tashahud, that we sit after every two rakahs, and then at the fourth rakah, uh, at, the, at the end of the third rakah, uh, we sit again for the Maghrib prayer, and we uh, give salams, we turn to the right and say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, we turn to the left, say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and so on and so forth. We think that we know how to pray. Well, take a look at it from this point of view and try to think if knowing these meanings should also become a part of an aspect of knowing how to pray.
It is something that should enrich, that enriches one's prayer, that improves one's presence before God, that takes prayer from a sequence of movements and utterances to something of the heart. It brings the heart into the worship, and that is the essential, that is essential for worship. We need the presence of our heart in order to be able to worship our Lord in a way that approximates what he deserves. I'm not saying in, in the way that he deserves. I'm saying in a way that approximates what he deserves because we can never, we can never worship him in the way that he deserves to be worshipped. He is infinitely worthy of worship and we are limited. So then what do we do? We are so limited. We are failing. Are we doomed to fail? From one point of view, yes, we are doomed to fail. But from another point of view, we know that al-a'malu bin-niyat, actions are according, according to intentions. Even though we cannot worship him the way he deserves to be worshipped, we intend that. We have that intention in our hearts and we ask God to accept it from us. Therefore, the state of the heart is essentially important in prayer or in worship in general. And therefore, we should work on this. We should try to internalize the meanings that Ustad Nursi is um, elaborating on as he talks about the meaning of the Maghrib sunset prayer. The time of the sunset prayer reminds us of certain things. And we already talked about this and, uh, when we read through the fourth subtle point. This is a reminder. This is a maybe a summary, a repetition of what was there. The time of sunset reminds us of the setting of with the beginning of winter. Setting and disappearing of the beautiful and delicate creatures that were there in the summer and the fall in a state of sorrowful farewell. It reminds us as the winter begins those creatures, those beautiful and delicate creatures that were filling the summer and the fall and giving it this joyful appearance are now disappearing in a sorrowful state of farewell. That's what the, the sunset reminds us. Again, remember, though these time scales are connected to one another. They are mirrors of one another. They reflect one another. The sunset in the day reflects the setting of those creatures, disappearing of those creatures of the summer and the fall as, as the winter descends. It also reminds us of the entry of a human being into the grave in a state of, again, sorrowful, painful separation from his beloved ones when he dies. It also reminds us of the end of the earth, the death throes of the earth, the shaking of the earth in those death throes. As God says in the Quran, and this is a description of the doomsday. When the earth is shaken violently in its last quake, 
So the setting of the sun in a day reminds us of that, the, the coming to an end of the earth and how all of its inhabitants move to another realm. So when the sun sets, the realm of the day leaves its place to the realm of the night. The realm of light leaves its place to the realm of darkness. The inhabitants of the day move to the realm of darkness in the same way when the earth dies they don't disappear they are not annihilated they move from one realm to another realm and the setting of the sun also reminds us of the turning off of the light of this abode of trial and tribulation we remember this from the fourth subtle the way the day comes to an end the year will come to an end and the physical world that we know of as we know the world will also come to an end and it will be transformed moved to another realm so when we stand before our lord at the time of maghrib prayer if we think all of this we expand we expand our worship we expand what our heart is responding to it is not responding to the sun setting only and darkness covering the the realm of the day it is also referencing the death of our own beloved ones and our our own death it's reminding us of the death of this entire creation and that reminds us that we will stand before our lord because there will be another creation following it and we will stand before our lord so we gather ourselves we think about we contemplate all of these together and then we turn inward and this is what Ustad Nursi was inspired with when he did this exercise when he turned inward this is what came to his heart that time of sunset also warns us warns us that the, those beloved ones the beloved things that set and disappear with the passage of time are not worthy of worship. It warns those who worship the beloved things in their lives that set and disappear with the passage of time. So that's the first thing. We have lots of things that are beloved to us in our lives and it is beautiful. It is a blessing to be able to love. But we also need to be aware that this has limits and this has purposes and when good things are used beyond their purposes outside of their purposes outside of what they are intended for then that is abuse love is a beautiful feeling beautiful reality beautiful emotion but we should not abuse it we should not worship what we love in this world because they're all all destined to set and disappear with the passage of time so that's a warning we receive that warning and then we turn we feel this need to turn to the one that does not set and disappear and what is it that turns to the one that does not set and disappear Ustad Nursi gives us a beautiful description here of the human spirit he says that it's the human spirit that's turning to the Lord. So at the time of the Maghrib prayer, the human spirit 
that is an adoring and yearning mirror of the everlasting beauty. Innately, naturally, a yearning and adoring lover and mirror of everlasting beauty. So this is the description that he gives to us for, for the human spirit. As we know, God blew the spirit into Adam and into all human beings. It is one of the acts of God. We do not know its secret. right? We do not know its, its secret in its entirety. But we know that it has a secret. And one of the aspects of that secret is that it is innately, it is created to be in love with everlasting beauty. And this is important. It is not just created to be in love with beauty. We need to highlight, that's why I keep repeating. It is created to be in love with everlasting beauty. Because when beauty disappears, when beauty does not last, the human spirit is something that lasts. And the disappearance or annihilation of setting of beauty then pains it. So it's not created for pain. It's created to enjoy. Therefore, it's created to be in love with everlasting beauty. If we mistake this and we, if we use it for beauty that does not last, then we both use it outside of its purpose. We abuse it and also we put it into this state of pain. We put it in a painful state. It is created to love, yearn for, adore everlasting beauty. Does this mean that we should not love anything but God? Because everything else sets and disappears. We should love God in everything. We should love the Prophet because he guides us to our Lord. We should love those aspects of things that point to God. And this is another subject that is uh, you know, expanded in a lot of detail in the Risale Nur, in Ustad Nursi's writings, inshallah, when the time comes, we are going to read about it in detail, but very briefly, everything, every created being has two aspects. One looks to itself, to, the, to its transient life in this world, and we call it manaismi, manaismi, nominative meaning, maybe a translation, and an aspect that looks to God, that makes it a sign of God, that manifests God's attributes, names and attributes, that highlights that it is an act of God. We know God through his creation. We cannot contemplate the essence of God. That's beyond us. But, we, but our, our job is to know God. We know God through his acts through the manifestation of his names and attributes in the creation. And therefore, we have access to that everlasting beauty that our soul, our spirit is created to love and adorn and yearn for through the creation too. But we need to use it in the right way. We need not to attach our hearts to the transient worldly nominative meanings of things, but rather we need to see God in the indicative meanings of the creation. And therefore, we need to transform our innate love 
for the things that surround our lives, for our spouses, for our children, for our neighborhoods, for our friends, for the beautiful flower, for the beautiful tree, for whatever inspires us with a sense of beauty and attraction, we should transform them to a means to increase our love for God. We should know that if we love our spouse, whatever is attracting us in our spouse is actually a manifestation of the mercy, generosity, and gentleness, and beauty of God, that our spirit is innately created to be attracted to. And when we recognize this and when we internalize this, it is okay to expand our love to the created beings too because we do not love them for their own sake. We love them for the sake of our Lord. We love them because we see them as means for us to know our Lord. So our spirits are created to be in love with everlasting beauty and therefore it is okay to love the everlasting aspects of the beautiful things that surround our lives. And one measure, one standard that we can use in order to, under, in order to understand whether that is the case in our love for the creation or not is that we look at whether we keep our interaction with these things that we love within the bounds of God's commands and prohibitions. If our love for our, let's say, friends prevent us from being able to pray in time because the conversation is going so well that we do not want to stop it and therefore and I can pray this prayer later maybe I'm going to make up but I don't want to end my conversation with my friends we should know that that that sense of familiarity and enjoyment that we are experiencing is actually a manifestation of of God's beauty and that is why we are attracted to it and by preferring the worldly, worldly aspect of the denominative aspect of that beauty over its indicative aspect we are depriving ourselves from being able to uh, stand before God in the paradise inshallah witnesses his countenance and have a conversation with him we may be depriving ourselves from that conversation with him or even even more simply we are, we, we, prayer is conversation with our god we are preventing ourselves we are depriving ourselves from a conversation with god by extending that conversation with the friends and therefore we are misplacing our love in that occasion however if we enjoy our friends because they remind us of God, if we make friends who remind us of God, and if we love them because they remind us of God, then that's a love for God, and that's beautiful. That's what we should seek, what we should want to have, aspire for. Okay, going back to the Maghrib prayer. The human spirit is created to love, yearn for everlasting beauty. It is a mirror to that everlasting beauty and the more it reflects it the more it enjoys the situation the, the, the state it is and the more it wants to reflect 
So, at the time of the Maghrib prayer, this human spirit, which is an adoring and yearning mirror of everlasting beauty, at the time of the Maghrib prayer, withdraws his hands from the transient beings of this world and says, Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. Remember that motion at, at the time of uh, at the time we say Allahu Akbar at the beginning of the prayer when we do the takbir we raise our hands we throw everything all of those transient beings of the world and the transient aspects of their existence away we throw them away we, we, we would throw our hands from them and then we turn uh, the human spirit turns to the throne of tremendousness of the one who is the first with no beginning and the everlasting with no end who moves all these massive massive objects of creation around and who transforms them from one state to another but in all that movement and transformation and transition he is the one who is the first with no beginning and everlasting with no end. He is the constant. The human spirit then turns to him, turns to the one who does all these tremendous things. Why does he turn to him? He turns to him to serve his real master. He has been serving all these transient things throughout the day. He has been working to earn his sustenance and he has been working to please people and do this and that and the hustle and bustle of life throughout the entire day. And now the day, the realm of the day is closing, the realm of the night is opening and he turns to his Lord, to his master, to his true master to serve him he understands that those things that he was running around were not and are not his master he turns to the real master to serve the real master he binds his hands before him the way we stand before god at the time of uh, prayer and stands in the in the presence of the permanent and everlasting one god and says alhamdulillah says alhamdulillah in before his perfection with no deficiency beauty with no equal the unique beauty and boundless mercy expresses his gratitude and praise and then says we worship you alone and we ask for assistance from you alone who god we worship God alone and we ask for assistance from God alone. And in this way, he presents his worshipful state of being God's slave, his worship, and he asks for his assistance from his lordship with no assistant. God's lordship does not need any assistance. His divinity with no partner and his sovereign power that needs no ministers and these are three phrases that we should probably reflect upon a bit more again they are explained in other parts of the risale nur and those who have listened to or read through the section of the reflections 
on uh, the Risale in Noor website reflections-rn.org website will remember that the reading the Risale in Noor is not a one-time event we keep reading it again and again because something that we miss in one part is completed by another part and then once that's complete if we go to the beginning and read it again we actually understand so the three phrases that Ustad Nursi uses here are really important God's Lordship that needs no assistance, God's divinity that has no partner, and God's sovereign power that needs no ministers. And this is a definition, description, and definition of monotheism. God is the Lord. Okay, but what do we understand from Lord? Rab. I'm using the word Lord uh, for Rab. But what do we understand from the Lord? Because there are lords on earth too. There were landlords, maybe in some parts of the world there are still are landlords there are bosses of companies there are the ceos there are the directors of various institutions there are lords all over and we all need all of these earthly worldly lords need assistance if you think of a landlord let's say in russia in the 18th century a landlord who owns acres and acres of land obviously he needs people to administer this entire dominion because he cannot be everywhere at the same time he cannot have the power to interact with all the people working for him god has angels who run affairs god has put laws in the creation that are patterns uh, that, that never break we may think mistakenly that things are happening because of these patterns which some people call natural laws or one stage further maybe some people may think that these are happening because angels are doing it or maybe some extraterrestrial power or powers are doing it no god is not a lord the way we are lords in our small realms god is a lord who needs no assistance God is in charge of everything the smallest and the biggest at all times then we may ask then why are all these things that appear to be means and that has its purposes they are there to declare God's dignity and glory not to assist God in executing affairs and they are also there for us to turn to when we cannot understand the wisdom in God's act and think as if there may be something deficient in reality when we miss or forget that reality is beautiful. For us to attribute those seeming deficiencies that we witness because of our deficiency so that we don't attribute those to God and fall into the mistake of attributing deficiency to God but other than that God needs no assistant he has no partner in his dominion he does not need any ministers and employees in order to run his affairs as the sovereign so the human spirit then presents his worship shows his status as the slave of God and asks for assistance from God with this understanding turning away from 
pushing away everything else that he interacted throughout the day that he may mistakenly have attributed power to at the time of Maghrib as the sun, sun sets all of those set and the slave of God recognizes this then the person who is praying the Maghrib prayer or any prayer but here we are talking about the Maghrib prayer goes to Rakura with the entire entire cosmos now the sun is setting right when the sun sets it inclines down it's as if it is bending down and then goes to prostration so the human being who is praying the Maghrib prayer at the time of sunset goes to Rukia, bends down before his Lord with the entire creation before God's boundless grandeur unlimited power and dignity that is not constrained by any any form of impotence he bends down with the entire creation and exposes his own his and the entire creations but especially his own weakness impotence poverty debasement and says glory be to my lord who is tremendous and in this way he glorifies his tremendous lord and then he declares his love and his worship before the unending beauty of his god's essence before the unchanging sacred attributes of god before his constant unaltering perfection and goes to prostration goes to sajda in a state of awe and self-abasement by leaving everything other than god everything leaving everything other than god and filled with love and declares again declares his worship his status as as god's slave and then he finds instead of all these transient things he finds an everlasting beautiful one he finds a rahim the mercy giver who is continual and says in that state of prostration he finds the everlasting beauty and the unending continual mercy giver and he says glory be to my lord who is the highest who is above expiry with the passage of time who is pure from all deficiencies and he sanctifies the most high lord and then he sits to witness tashahud so when we sit after the second rakah of the prayer or at the end of each rakah that is the end of the prayer we call tashahud witnessing when we sit in tashahud to witness we recite a prayer that the prophet وسلم, taught us and this prayer represents his conversation with god when he was in his presence during his ascension during his miraj when he was the closest that any created being can ever be to god and the prayer goes as something like this as-salamu alayka ya ayyuhan nabiyyu 
ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام علينا وعلى عباد الله الصالحين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله There might be slight variations depending on uh, which narration we take this prayer from, but mainly it is something like this. And the translation of this will be useful to understand the coming part in the meanings that Ustad Nursi extracts from the wisdom of the allocation of the time of the Maghrib prayer. And the translation is something like this. All compliments, all greetings, all salutations, all praise be to God. And when he says all here, it is not I am saying all prayer, all greetings, all salutations. No, this is indefinite. This is absolute all. What that means is that the Prophet وسلم, at that moment was presenting the greetings, salutations, praise, indebtedness, gratitude, everything. Everything is included in this of everything in the creation. Angels, human beings, genes, the trees, planets, stars, atoms, molecules, elements, animals, everything. He was presenting the Greetings, salutations, praise, compliments of everything in the creation to God. And God responds, Assalamu alayka ya ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and greetings be upon you, O the Prophet, and God's mercy and God's blessings. So he was sitting before God the way we sit in Tashahud. He was sitting before God and he was receiving this greeting from God of oh, peace and greetings and, and God's mercy and blessings be upon you. Can you imagine that moment, that moment of joy and ecstasy? I cannot imagine anything uh, more beautiful than that. And at that moment, look at the prophets. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam response. He says, Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihi. He says, peace and everything else that comes with it, of course, is included in this. Be upon us. He doesn't say, Assalamu alayhi. He does not say, upon me. He says, upon us. I.e., still having everything, the creation that he is representing in his mind and he says and on the righteous slaves of God he remembers them he remembers them. he is representing the creation and humanity and the humanity the righteous before God and he does not lose his his mind because of the ecstasy of the moment and the angels witness this angels and the spiritual beings who have access to that realm witness this and they are filled with joy and they cannot help but say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh we witness that there is no deity worthy of worship but god and muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave and messenger and we witness that muhammad is his slave and messenger so this is the prayer this is the dua that we recite at tashahud
and once we finish it we follow it with salawat sending salutations and greetings and blessings to the Prophet وسلم, and then we make dua we supplicate to God with the supplications taken from the, the Quran with this information in mind we will move on to Ustad Nursi's interpretation of this prayer and its meaning in the prayer at the time of sunset at Maghrib time so we sit we send greetings to God's most honored messenger Rasul Akram to renew our covenant with him and to declare our obedience to his commands then in order to renew our faith and be illuminated through that faith we observe and contemplate the orderliness in this cosmos that is like a majestic palace we observe the orderliness that is full of wisdoms and as a certain conclusion of that observation, we witness the oneness of its the creation's majestic maker. Then we also witness the messengership of Muhammad the Arab as the announcer of the sovereignty of God's lordship over everything as the announcer of God's rububiyyah, as the conveyor of the information of what pleases him, his marduyya, what pleases God, and as the translator of the verses of the book of the universe. This, all of this that we read through, interpreted, tried to understand, is that Nursi says, is what the Maghrib sunset evening prayer is. And then he asks, how can a person who does not understand what a refined, pure duty this, this is, what a dignified and delightful service it is, what an agreeable and beautiful form of worship what a beautiful and agreeable worship as an expression of one's slavehood is in it. What a serious reality is in this prayer or what a serious witnessing of reality is in this prayer. That this prayer is a conversation that attains everlastingness, although it is taking place in this transient guest house that is the world and that there is happiness Sa'ada, bliss that attains constancy in this prayer. Who does not understand this in relation to the Maghrib prayer or in relation to all prayers in which we stand before God and have a conversation with God? How can a person who does not understand this be a human being? In other words, how can a person who does not understand this, all of this, all of these meanings that are contained in the Maghrib prayer or maybe more broadly in prayer, in worship in general, still fulfill his function as a human being who is created to worship God, who is created to know God. How? So, 
This is Ustad Norsi's interpretation of the wisdoms that are in the allocation of the times of the five daily prayers and of course more specifically for this episode for the Maghrib prayer, for the sunset prayer. It is beautiful, but it is not poetry. It is not written to sound nice. Rather, it is beautiful because because it is an expression of a beautiful reality. It is witnessing reality. It is ma'rifatullah. It is knowledge of God. It is the internalization of knowledge of God that puts a person in a state in which he can stand before God with all of these meanings in his mind and in his heart. We do not stand before God and while reciting Fatiha think about all of these words that we read through and try to understand, interpreted, translated and try to understand. When we stand before God and we are praying, we focus on the, the prayer. We, we uh, you know, think about the meanings of the verses that we are reciting and at some point we even don't try to do that, we just try to inhale our presence before God. So we do not memorize, let's say, the Maghrib sunset section of the fifth subtle point of the ninth word and repeat it in our mind throughout prayer. No, that is not the way to do that. The way to do that is to improve our knowledge of God. If one were to go back to the beginning of this episode and listen to it with the question of, so how is Ustad Nursi describing God to us in this treatise, in this section of the ninth word? What kinds of insights can we get from it about our Lord, about God? One would actually find a very profound lesson in, uh, in, in aqidah, in the tenets of faith, in, in theology, in knowledge of God. I mean, look at that. He's talking about the everlasting beauty of God, the, that God is the first without beginning and the last with no end. He's talking about the tremendousness of tremendousness of his God's throne. He's talking about his permanence. He's talking about his boundless uh, kibriya, grandeur, greatness. He's talking about his God's unlimited power. He's talking about God's izza, dignity that has not that is not constrained in any way. He's talking about the weakness, impotence, neediness, debasement of a human being, like debasement in the uh, sense that if one does not believe in God and attribute everything to God, one is in need of everything in creation, therefore one has to go and beg everything. So in order to not be debased, humiliated before everything in the creation, we go before God and we feel our debasement, humility before God, and that is dignifying. 
feeling one's humility and debasement before God is dignifying. And then he talks about the sacred attributes of God that are unchanging, that have no change, that are not accidents, that are not things that are attached to God, but no, they are emanating, coming from his essence. He talks about the unaltering perfection of God. God's perfection is absolute. It does not you know, change over time. It is, again, in his essence, it is essential to God. He is talking about the mercifulness of God, that God is the mercy giver. And he is choosing the word Rahim over Rahman when he talks about that because this is in relation to God uh, relating to one of his slaves. And to understand this in more detail, one has to, to inshallah, read the second section of the 14th flash, which we uh, did after the first word in this series. He is talking about the, that God is pure from all deficiencies. He is giving us an interpretation of the phrases that we utter in prayer, such as Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, Glory be unto my Lord who is tremendous. And then Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala, Glory be uh, unto my Lord who is the most elevated, who is the, the highest. All of these are not just um, accidental choices of words. Each one of them requires an exegesis, an interpretation in detail. And those are in the Risale-i Nur. Those are in the Epistles of Light that we are reading and trying to understand. These are essential meanings, essential truths that are at the core of our faith, that are at the core of our understanding of God that are at the core of what the Prophet taught us. And the way to attain that, that presence, that hushu and hudur before God in our prayer is to improve our understanding of these realities, to increase in our knowledge of God. We try. We force ourselves, we push, we don't fake, but we try. And it is an unending process. It is a way to travel until the end comes and the end does not come at a particular destination that we can put in our minds. The end comes when the call from God, uh, a call from God comes to return to him. So the way to attain that hushu, that hudur, that presence, that tranquility in our prayer is to improve our knowledge of God, to improve, to increase in our knowledge of God. And then bring all of that into our state. So this is about a state of being in the prayer. This is not about particular sentences, particular expressions that we can possibly memorize and repeat in our minds in the prayer. But it is a beautiful guide to that point. It, it lays out the roadmap.
And if we follow it, if we try to internalize it, it, it gives us a kernel, a seed that is, that is a very good seed, a very good quality seed that can sprout and grow into a tree. So one may ask, and this is uh, explained in much more detail elsewhere in the Risale in Nur, one may ask, my prayer, it is nothing. Where is my prayer? Where is the prayer of, let's say, Ali radiallahu anhu? No, no, we don't say that. We don't belittle prayer because even though we have not attained that presence before our Lord, the kind of presence that Ali radiallahu anhu had attained, the prayer has that seed in it. God put that seed in the prayer. It is not from us. It is from God. Therefore, the seed is there and we keep watering the seed. We keep protecting it. We keep taking care of it constantly, every day. And then, inshallah, it is up to our Lord to give us the opportunity to grow it into whatever it may become. May he grant us beautiful, beautiful trees of prayer, inshallah. It looks like uh, we will finish reading the ninth word, inshallah, uh, in the next episode, uh, when we read the meanings of the Isha prayer. And that is the last uh, section in this treatise. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وآخر الدعوة من الحمد لله رب العالمين